You're listening to Tarot Visions. You lucky devil. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Rose. How's it going? It's almost here. Ooh. Yes. Wait, you have no idea what you're talking about, are you? Well, in 20 days, my bathroom remodel gets done. Is that what we're talking about? I wish. No. That I'm excited for. No, no, no. (laughs) They've already started putting out the Halloween decorations. Oh, they have? Yes. Yes, they have. I've been so steeped at Bed Bath & Beyond and stuff I haven't even noticed yet. I haven't put them out. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. (sighs) Because, 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 because. Yes. It reminded me. That we have friends who are mm-hmm. deep, deep, well, seeped or deeped, I don't know, in Edgar Allan Poe poems. And it's so exciting. And, 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 and we get to talk to them because they're going to put a book together. I think they I'm gave so us a excited. copy. I have a or something. I'm what? looking at a PDF preview and there's some really cool stuff in there. Lots of poems. Maybe we should get them to talk to us. Well, how would we get them here? Well, we, mm. should, we could send <laughs> we could send a raven. Ooh, yes, we could. All right. Do you have? Did you? Well, let the one out of the back there. Uh, no, okay. that one. Not that one. Not the white one. Don't send the white one. I wasn't, but the white one's an owl anyway. It's not. Oh, anyway, get that one. That one over there. Okay. Okay. Send it. All right. Gone. So we're gently rapping, rapping at your podcast door. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! Yay, it worked! Nevermore? Nevermore. Evermore. Evermore? Nevermore? We're seeped and we're deeped into the raven's warnings of probably whatever drugs he was taking that night. Don't do drugs, kids. It's bad. Bad, okay? Okay, it's bad. <laughs> so, All right. But in this respect, we get to have some awesome chats with you, Hope, yes. and Matt. Hello. Yes, Hello. Welcome, welcome back to Tarot Visions. <laughs> we are ex- so excited. We're excited to have yes, you guys yes. again. Didn't scare yes, you off the first time, huh? No, we had a blast. We enjoyed Good. it. it Yay. Fun. It's been long enough now. It's okay for me to come back. <laughs> People have forgotten about Matt Lazo. <laughs> Who is this guy? Right. Well, why don't you go ahead and reintroduce yourselves? Who are you guys? So I'm Matt Hughes, and um, I'm an Art Nouveau artist. That... Why are you looking at me like I'm supposed to know who you are? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm waiting for Hope to nod her head. Yes, very good. You did good That's that time. Yeah. Yes. I don't have any treats for you. I'm sorry. I've you good. We'll send you some. This It'll is my great. handler, Hope Hughes. <laughs> I am his handler. I, yeah, we are the duo behind uh, Ethereal Visions Publishing. We've actually gone uh, going forward where we can't return on doing this publishing thing after doing the, um, the tarot deck, which was well-received, and we had a ball doing, and so we decided that we were going to start it up, so hopefully I can get him to do this full-time, because, you know, mm-hmm. he's... He's an artist that needs to art, and I'm a writer that needs to write, and that's more than just 
being funny. I actually actually do need to write instead of sitting and staring at a blank computer. But uh, we came up with this idea because, um, of course, we all love Halloween. Um, mm-hmm. I it's, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I've been going down every like Michaels and singing that for the Halloween. <laughs> but awesome. um, after we did the tarot deck, and now that it's in the hands of the printers, we were trying to figure out what was going to be our next project. Mm-hmm. And we really want to do a book. Um, and we've had the ideas of doing books and cards together for some time. But um, Edgar Allan Poe came up because it's always been fascinating how how he wrote and his the, the mystery surrounding his life, mm-hmm. um, his essays on writing and mysticism and cryptology. All of this stuff was just enchanting. And we decided to sit down and we've, we've, we've been just knee-deep in Edgar Allan Poe stuff, trying to reread the poems and dissect them and looking at his life and coming up with our own theories. So this book is going to be a collection of poems, stories, and some essays. Um, and we may, we've may we been talking about putting a little bit of our own, like, this is what we think about it, this is how we felt about this with this book, coupled with it's going to be um, fully illustrated. Ooh. So each page will have, it's more of the... I guess Art Nouveau inspired golden age illustration type of format. So it's mm-hmm. very, very simple with a color design through it, which you, mm-hmm. you've seen, Jamie, with the, we've given you little samples. Um, yes. We wanted to very, um, I guess, a beautiful look at a horror mind because his, his mind is intriguing. Yes. It's definitely, it's, a, it's more of a dark romanticism approach, mm-hmm. it's a horror approach. Um, so the pieces that we're selecting for the book are in a little bit more on the dark romanticism, romanticism side than they are on the horror side. Because, um, I mean, the, his body of work is just the, it goes from one end to the other. I mean, it's just huge, and it's amazing yeah. stuff. And So we're um, huge fans of older um, illustrated books, like I was talking about the Golden Age, but anything, like 1800s, 1900s. Mm-hmm. You think of um, you think of any kind of older book that was focusing on Poe's work. You, know, you got Edmund Dulick, you know, immediately pops in the head, and you mm-hmm. know Heath Robinson, which I think they're you know they're reprinting his version of it now. That was um, late 1800s, I think. Um, but that kind of approach to it, to where you had this, the book itself became a piece of artwork, and the text um, was obviously the fore, forefront of the of the book, and then everything inside the book, the illustrations, the you know the paper treatment, everything was meant to enhance the uh, the story and help to tell the basically add power to the words instead of overpowering it. We're wanting to make the words become part of the illustration and vice versa. And I think you guys, the small preview that you've given us is amazing with that. And I think it comes very clearly clearly through that you have done a lot of research mm-hmm. for each of the things that we at least have seen. And we've only seen a fraction, I'm sure, of what this book is going to be about. Um, and it sounds like you – I'm going to phrase this so it sounds right. Uh, it's clear that you love Poe. It's clear that you are, are love his work, and uh, sorry, that you love his work, and and it inspired you both. Um, how 
did you decide on which poems to use? I mean, I know I heard the, you wanted to focus more on the romanticism versus the horror air quotes. Um, but what, what, what were the criteria that you used? Because again, his body of work is so great. Well, it, it came down to um, us sitting down and it, it honestly, the book is still developing. We have a list of definites that we want, but mostly I'll sit at the computer and I'll read three things to Matt. I'll just read the poems or read some of the story to him. And um, you can usually hear the light bulb pop on. Like if mm-hmm. I read something, it might take a couple of times, but if I read something, he will automatically start sketching as I'm reading these poems or reading some lines and the sketches kind of bring the story together. Um, so once mm-hmm. I do that, we print it out, I hand it off to him and then I start looking more and more into different stories and hand it off to him. But he generally, I guess it's, it's, it's almost like that, um, the muse that comes there and she, she's kind of whispering to him about which story is, is, is right to do. At this point, mm-hmm. the Raven is is the one he's working on right now, and of course, everybody knows the Raven because it's popular, and I think a lot of people discount it a little bit because that's that's the intro that you get in high school. But it really is brilliant, and the more you read it, the more you start. Matt said, the more you start thinking in this way. And mm-hmm. when I saw after reading it, and he started working on the sketches, and I saw this unfolding, it. it because usually you see the raven, you see about two illustrations. You have the raven sitting on the bus or sitting at the window. And mm. he's taking it to the raven, because ravens are, are considered demons. They can go between heaven and hell and earth. Mm-hmm. He's taking it as the raven was actually uh, the, the, um, the messenger for, like, the Lenore character. So he's kind of illustrating it through that fashion. Ooh. Did I nail that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Could not have said it better myself. No, it's exactly right. Cause, and again, with the Raven, because that's, I mean, there's been um, productions of the Raven that it was literally just the Raven. And they just, you know, added other poems of work to kind of give the, the book some some mass to it. But you there's tons of different interpretations of the Raven. So mm-hmm. it was a huge piece to approach. And it was def, but it was definitely, it was like a greatest hits. I mean, you have to have the Raven in there if you're going to do anything with Poe. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of rethink Poe. Um, listen to Vincent Price 80 times reading it mm-hmm. um, just to kind of get a feel for it and kind of get more of a, the pattern to it and kind of have the ideas pop in my head. So it, it became less of a pictorial um, play by play and more of a, how can I enhance the page that the text is on, mm-hmm. so that when you're when you're reading it, there's graphics and there's illustrations around it, but it doesn't overpower it. It, it basically is helping it flow a little bit. And the the interesting thing about Poe is if you start, it doesn't matter where you start because you can pick up on any story or any poem. You start seeing a good. Um, comparison to what we're seeing today in our own world um you you see a lot of things fears you see a lot of <clears throat> biases you see a lot of uh things that he spoke about with transcendentalism and i always mispronounce that mm-hmm. uh, and how he saw the world through almost i i always liken it as he had one foot foot in this world and one foot in the other he was, he was mm-hmm. almost walking the line between life and death. So he's able to see these things. And the interesting thing is they've been, you know, a lot of things are hearsay, but he wrote some stories that they say 
the the people in there, the things that happened actually happened. So did he time travel? Was he was he able to see into the future? Was he was he able to get visions like seers do? Is that what he was? Was he not crazy? Was just a seer? Was he not an alcoholic? Was because we know that my theory on it is I do think he had a brain tumor. And a lot of times that does create a heightened sense of not only awareness, but um, anxiety, anxiety and, and um, fear. how you see things. So it, right. it, it's really interesting to look at how he kind of was able to view the world and then write a story about it that fit his time, but then fits our time. Like there's one, and we're considering it very strongly, called the, the gold bug. Mm-hmm. And it's been under a lot of criticism, a lot of, because there's a character in there who is he's an African slave, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and the way it was written, um, it almost seems it seems racist at first when you look at it, but then when you look at it from a broader sense, he was it, it was it was a black character that was given a main role in a story. Mm-hmm. And the way he spoke, when you look at it, Edgar Allan Poe had probably met, never met a black person. He was he only knew what he heard from his friends or what or what he thought they they were like. Mm-hmm. So he wrote that dialogue in that way. And I think that that goes along with today is when you live in a bubble, it's mm-hmm. very easy to be racist. When you only know about another person, whether it's from a different country or a different culture or a different skin culture. What you're taught and what you hear from people is mm-hmm. what you assume those people are. Right. And when you start looking at that and looking at that dialogue and then trying to understand why he wrote in that manner, mm-hmm. it kind of makes you wake up and think about what's happening today. And that's what's so great about Poe and all of his writings um, is you can look at it, what he was saying then and how things were going through today. Mm-hmm. A lot of the subject matter that he was approaching were their universal questions. You know, life and Human death, condition. And, you know, yeah. what happens after we die and communicating with it. I mean, there's so many things that are just, you know, you could span hundreds of years and those questions are still relevant. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the one thing I think that uh, we that you touched on earlier before that was the fact that more than likely he was self-medicating. So that may have been why he was drinking so heavily. It wasn't just because he was addicted to alcohol per se. It could have been a way for him to deal with what he was seeing and what he was hearing and what was going on around him. Maybe he thought he was crazy. And the when he drank, that quieted those things down. The funny thing is that I, I believe, like, there's there's a lot of speculation like that, but he yeah. had a condition where he couldn't process alcohol. I honestly don't think he was an alcoholic. Right. Um, I think he was a, he was a weird bird, first of all, because he he saw the world differently. But I do think he did have when when he was around people, he did socially drink, but he couldn't handle it. But I don't think he was an alcoholic. Um, the end of his life, um, I I think what happened is the treatments for uh, conditions, especially when you have someone who's manic, and we don't know if you have a brain tumor, you start declining and you start hallucinating. Yeah. Um, the stuff, it will kill you. I mean, they treat you with arsenic and, and mm-hmm. other things that we think is like heroin would be one in there. And if his body can't process it, then it's going to further spin, send in a spiral. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he was self-medicating because I don't think he would have numbed himself so much 
because he looked at the world, looked at the human condition, looked at how spirit, spirituality and these uh, what we see in dark romanticism such as Mary Shelley and Lord mm-hmm. Byron is it's not so much horror, it's a reflection of, of humans, a reflection of who we are coming out. And I think that's what he did, but I don't. I don't think it was so much that he was an alcoholic. I think that he had an extremely tragic life. He had so much death that it almost became his friend in, mm. in a way. Okay. Um, but it's interesting because we don't know. There's so many theories about it. There's it's, cooping. It's gone into legend now. I mean, his, mm-hmm. There's even the doctor that was there, you know, the physician that was there with him when he died, changed his story like four or five times. You know, over wow. the following wow. ten years, he went from one-liners that Poe would say to, you know, entire, you know, speeches about death and welcoming him. I mean, just anything. Because, you know, he would travel the country doing lectures mm-hmm. on Poe because he was famous mm-hmm. because of Poe. Right. So, you know, to keep that fuel going, you know, obviously yeah. he's going to, you know, try and come up with new exciting you know, ways of talking about it. But, I mean, it, it, like, I mean, at this point, like I said, it's, it's, it's so, there's so much legend to it that it's kind of hard to differentiate what was fact to fiction mm-hmm. which yeah. is what is so intriguing about him i mean it's very intriguing mm-hmm. so was any of the information that you guys have done on the research did they talk about his spirituality or did he have a religion yeah he was very religious he definitely believed in a higher power um some people think he he was it was very much a straight you know christ god type um understanding other ones believe that it was more of a um, I can't read that. Yeah. More of a spiritual, you know, just understanding of there is something out there, you know, after death. And um, you know, many times he would refer to, you know, his lost soul and God help him and that kind of thing. Now, there's a lot, mm-hmm. that he, a lot of poems that have to do with angels and um, death figures. And um, it, it, I think it, it did branch back into his spirituality. I don't know if... I think that because of the time, Christianity was the main thing, but I mm. think that he took it in a different light in looking at it from, I guess, a more of a spiritualism aspect than mm. a religious one. But he, yes, he was religious to a point, but um, it's interesting to see, you know, he went into things like dating Sarah Helen Whitman, mm-hmm. who was... A feminist, and she was into spirituality, and um, he was engaged with her briefly. Um, mm-hmm. And then he was into cryptology. He wrote, of course, the um, the the murders at the Rue Morgue was the one that inspired Sir Cannon Doyle, mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes, because he I always mispronounce this. Uh, oh Lord, it's basically the. Um, deductive reasoning it was he came up with that and it kind of spurred that on so you can kind of see how he had he was based in religion but it kind of took a different span to where he looked at it and that's where i say he kind of walked between worlds with one foot here which would be religion but in the spiritual world so he was able to interpret things a bit differently than what we see and I love that because it makes him sound like he's, you know, going back to the Raven poem, he is a raven. Ravens were the messengers yep. or the travel guides between here and the other world. So it kind of fits that maybe the raven in the poem was Edgar Allan Poe himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yep. that's exactly what we thought, too. Yep. I've, because I've, I've read the Raven, like I said, I've read the Raven research so many times because it was such a big piece of, from his portfolio, I really wanted to do it justice. And yeah. 
Um, I just I love it now. <laughs> I was telling Hope like after you read it a couple of times, your brain starts thinking in that that rhythm. So there's mm-hmm. a certain rhythm to it that was just fascinating. And then after a while, you start, and the minute you get done reading it and you start thinking, it's like your brain is still in that rhythm, which I think is speaks volumes for the piece. And my brain just went dumb. What's the one where they have the this apocalypse? Oh, that's the um, the conversation. Uh, what can I think tonight? It's the conversation of uh, Eros and uh, I can't pronounce the last Sharon. 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 Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. They're, they're basically dead, and they're talking about the apocalypse that's happening, what's going on. So it's really interesting to see those things play out. So yeah, it, it's it's amazing. And if when you look at um, movies today, one of them comes to mind because we we watched. Um, this is this movie called Crimson Peak. I don't know if you've seen mm-hmm. it. Not yet. Yeah. Um, it's been on which my is list. Funny I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> when we, we, we saw it in theater, we both remember a different ending and things. We, we just watched it again recently, and it, it, was, it was a little bit different. But you can definitely see a lot of influence from, from Poe. And you start looking at everything from Pan's Labyrinth. To, I mean, mm-hmm. any, even superheroes, you, you see the works and the, the ideas that he came up with coming through and uh, Crimson Peak comes to mind because it was very much touched on losing uh, the people he loved, his mother and um, Virginia mm-hmm. to, to or, you know, or tuberculosis and that, that was a, a very frightening disease then and how they treated it made it worse but mm-hmm. um, you look at that and you start seeing the other things that they wrote and how it's done even down to like I mean let's pull in Game of Thrones which I'm not going to get started on because we'll talk for five hours about it but the use of ravens in it and, and mm-hmm. seers and the, the, the dad, you can see these influences peeking up. And it might not be intentional, but he's there. And it's, all, it's almost like Poe is in the corner look, lurking for, for, through everything. Even um, mm-hmm. artwork, when you look with uh, tarot cards, you can see some influence with some of his works in the imagery that we're seeing in tarot and um, oracle decks. They're, they're definitely there. Nope, I'd agree. Matt, I have a question for you. So you were talking about the cadence of the poems and how it kind of creates a music, a rhythm. Do you find that when you're when you listen to the poems over and over again, you have that cadence, that rhythm? Do you find that it influences your art for each individual piece? Absolutely. Yeah, because it, because art is rhythm. You know, there's mm-hmm. rhythm to the composition and the colors and the lines and line width and and. Um, to read those, like the the bells, um, to me was a huge one, especially with rhythm. I so I've read the bells before, and mm-hmm. apparently I've been reading it wrong because I started looking up, um, like the, again the Vincent Price and the people like to, to the professionals to listen how they would read it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the first time I heard it read professionally, um. I was like, okay, I've been doing this wrong this whole time. I mean, that just is just beautiful. It's just the way it was done because to read, you're like, the bells, the bells, the bells, the bells. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is redundant. But here's my actually read it. it, it you're like, oh, okay, that's why he mm-hmm. did that. And there's even, you know, theories on the, the rhythm and basically the way he created that work that, you know, are still studied today. And to read stuff like that, you know, you have the, the rhythm of the bells. Um, so like in the, the sample that we sent you guys, um, mm-hmm. I, I took the bells as you have the four sections of the bells mm-hmm. and each one, you know, goes through, you know, like silver, gold and, and, you know, bronze and, um, is different phases of life. 
I mean, mm-hmm. it could be, you know, it could be a birth, you know, you fall in love, you were old, you pass away. I mean, that could be the four phases of life all in this one piece. And when I saw that and after reading it again, I saw that um, similarity. That's when the artwork started coming to me and like, okay, that that's exactly what I need to do with this is make it more about instead of, you know, screaming figures coming out of bells in a church, I'll do it as the this, you know, journey through a person's life, the phases of life. Mm. Also, the interpretation of the ghoul king, you're a little bit different. It wasn't actually, because you see it, you see this almost like Gollum-like creature. Mm-hmm. And his was almost like a, a figurehead, a godhead in the final draft of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it became more, instead of, instead of a figure that was swinging from bells, um, to me, he became more of a, a symbol of the of the chaos of the end of life. It became, became more of a, instead of an, a scary ghoul type creature, he became more of a gateway into, as far as this one, you know, of course it's Poe, so it immediately goes into, you know, a dark kind of uh, take on death and you're going into this chaos and what horrible things the bells bring and so I try to convey that, but there was also a, a more of a symbolism instead of an actual figure, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's more of the decline of the mind into, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because chaos. Yeah, and, and reflective on Poe, you know, he's he. I, I think, you know, with somebody that creative, he was probably very aware of his mortality and very aware that he when he was came to his end and the decline of your own mind. Um, was reflected in that because you you can see it and when you like I said when you hear it spoken Neil Gaiman even said Poe's not supposed to be read it's to be listened to and that's very true because you read it you can get a good idea but to hear someone it takes it takes a special talent to read Poe because the rhythm to me even I kind of fumble through it but the rhythm is so amazingly complex it looks simple but it's not and when mm-hmm. you hear it done well it's so moving and you actually can f- get the feeling of Almost, almost like a song. They're almost song-like in, in pattern. Which is why we got, we had the idea of doing the. So we we got this little contest going right now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's segue like into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna I was gonna ask. So it's that the, sounds the power, familiar. Hmm. The power of reading, the you know, of listening to someone read the works. Um, so okay. we had an idea because obviously we got the Kickstarter coming up. So we thought it would be good to do a little mini contest to where people that are uh, Poe fans could read. Um, like three or three lines from, and uh, we gave them three different works to read from, like the Bell, mm-hmm. Raven, Annabelle, uh, Annabelle, and Annabelle. Yep. Um, so we asked, you know, to send in your best, you know, put on your Vincent Price and send in your best reads from these pieces, and we'll mm-hmm. use the best ones for because we're going to obviously do bumpers for the Kickstarters that are going to be a little, you know, promotional type bumpers. We would use those reads. Uh, in the bumpers, so it's just a fun little thing. We and actually they get their name in the book, too. and they get a name. Their their name will be put in the book um, as a thank you, special thank you, and you know, we'll have the bumpers on the Kickstarter page with their you know crediting them for the the read and stuff. We got some pretty cool ones mm-hmm. going That's in, but awesome. it's just yeah, it's really interesting to listen to people um, read the work. I just I love I, I love things being read to me anyway, but just to hear these people their interpretations of how they would read the pieces and what lines, because we didn't tell them, you know, do the first three lines. We just told them pick from these pieces and right. the, the lines that they are choosing is very interesting. So you've already gotten a few. So again, just so people who are listening, the contest is still going. So don't, don't assume you can't enter. 
There will be, I'm sure, a link in the show notes, right, Jamie? Oh, yeah. I'll put a link in the show notes. But when does the contest end for those that are listening or listening further down the line? So the contest the for the reads ends um, Tuesday night. What's the date in Tuesday? September 5th. 5th. September the 5th um, at midnight. And midnight Eastern? Eastern Standard Time, Time yeah. Thank or you. just, you know, you sent it to me. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to be sitting there with a stop. We'll probably be in bed by then. <laughs> yeah, if it's safer in the morning, we're fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they can go to, like I said, our, our website. Yeah, so they can and- go to, so the, the site for, I'm going to plug the site. So the site for the Kickstarter, the campaign, everything, if they go to eapoebook.com. So that's Edgar Allan Poe book.com, eapoebook.com. Dot com. Um, they can get notifications because we're doing a special little notification. They can be notified when the Kickstarter launches, which is the 12th of September. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can also sign up for our newsletter. We're going to have a lot of um, information that we're going to share first in the newsletter. We're getting ready to send out a newsletter probably this weekend. We're doing book trailers, and they can get to the contest on our homepage. So if they've already gone through the landing page for the Kickstarter, just get to our homepage. And we have a uh, form to fill out, which they can upload um, their own uh, sound bites. And mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll listen to it. Um, just kind of pick our feet. three favorites to do. Um, the little mini trailers, but we are putting together because I'm a big fan of book trailers, and mm-hmm. I feel with Poe that we can just do an awesome one. So we're gearing up to that. That's cat wrangling. Ah, <laughs> oh, the cats! So, Everybody has to get their their little two cents in too. Yep. We need to hear the whole family, right? Yeah. So um, the one thing that we segueing back to what we're saying is with with the books we're doing because we've got several books that we're going to be doing with this, but with mm-hmm. the phase two is we, um, cause we've done, um, some tarot cards. We wanted to do, we, we thought with Poe that, uh, playing cards would go well. So we're oh, probably nice. going to secondary Kickstarter, um, that are going to be Edgar Allan Poe inspired playing cards, which can be used to, to read with, um, he's going to be doing some, um, original illustrations that are probably just going to be black and white reflective with uh, the ace of spades of course it'll be awesome mm-hmm. but uh all but, the ace of spades are going to be yeah awesome. so uh times four <laughs> all ace of spades <laughs> yeah. so um yeah so that will that will be a good companion for the poe book as well how exciting but that means you're going to be listening to a lot of people talking well, I, he likes being read to, so you know. <laughs> this will be great. He'll, he'll get. Well, you have to put the um, lines in order so you can have the entire poem read, or as much of the entire poem read from start to end, done read oh, yeah. and by different people's voices. Oh, that's almost like a Michael Jackson video. <laughs> there you something, go. Yeah. <laughs> that worked perfectly. Yeah, so this it, is pretty exciting. I, I I came up with that because we were trying to figure out how to get because there. I mean, there are people that know way more than I do about Poe. I, I I've always loved his work. I've just never dived into uh, learning about his life and everything until now. But when we started looking into it, it got really interesting. But 
there are people that just love it and they they read it and you can tell that they're so passionate about it and they're mm. so moved that when you hear them read it you actually hear it how it's supposed to be and not just the professional readers but the people that just are in love with it that that drive and love for his creation just comes through with it and that's what's so exciting <clears throat> wow well this right is this yeah okay so so <laughs> now that we've shared the awesome uh, is there any updates on some of the other stuff we've talked with you about previously that you can share with us yes the tarot yeah the tarot so the tarot deck if if uh so for those who have been following us um social media and the newsletter and the websites and that sort of thing um tarot deck is is at the printers now it's this is printer number three but this is the final printer because you know we've put a deposit on it now but um we've got a book copyright the the everything's been copyrighted yeah. Sans the Oxford comma, which Jamie we talked about. Um, yeah, the editor did not like Oxford commas, um, and uh, but we did. Breathe we, through it, hope. Breathe through I know. it. I, I just got <laughs> pick my battles, right? Pick my battles. But we got the. Uh, they've been sending us the digital, uh, the box proof. The box looks really good. Um, mm-hmm. So now it's just they're going to be sending us uh, the physical proofs for us to go through, see if we everything is correct. And once we sign off on it, they will start printing it. Yep. We've done awesome. upgrades with the cards. It's a heavier card now. And, um, you know, the, the quality of see, the box. See, you finally got the right printer. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's a trial, but it's brilliant. Yes, we we uh, it, it was one of those things that just because we were bound determined to have the gold leafing that that was the headache and we mm-hmm. you know we could have gone the cheaper route which is gold ink or the Prisma cards which that's the reason why we that that that's what put the cards off so long is the printer that we were going with they said they were going to be able to do gold foil and what they sent us was not it was a it was like look a Pokemon card and there's just Oof. no. No way that I, we could do that. So it was really it, it's been um, it's been a learning curve for us. But we did not want to put out anything that was not going to be the best quality. And this the mm-hmm. the, the, the we have now um, they've gone above and beyond to make sure that this deck is going to be amazing. So we're ex- we're more excited about it, I think than anybody to get it. <laughs> yeah, I cannot get my hands on the deck. <laughs> he just he just said, well, well then, we got to ship because we're doing it ourselves because right. I don't know why. Think of well, you guys are gonna have vaca- you guys are gonna have a vacation after this. You're gonna be like you're gonna get the cards. You're gonna start shipping them out and be like, okay, we're done for you know a week and then sleep like, for a week. Just assign the thousand something decks and yeah. number them and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, all said and done. Yeah, no, it sounds awesome. like it's gonna be worth it. I know that you know I've been involved in various different um, RPG kickstarters as well as tarot deck or deck kickstarters. And it's it's the book, the physical book publication, working with printers is a hit or miss thing, especially when you have the things like, you know, the special printings like the gold leaf or whatnot. People, you know, they want your business. They will tell you, oh, yeah, we can do it, even though they might not or they'll mm-hmm. you know, they'll give you a low quote or or. But when it comes time to printing, it'll be higher twice as much or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So everybody listening out there, you're going to get a high quality deck. It might not oh, yeah. come in the timeline that you expected the Kickstarter to come in, but it's going to be amazing. So hang in there, wait, and these guys are going to deliver. These guys are awesome. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. I mean, it, it, it is true. I mean, the way we are, it, it, 
in anything, we would not ever put something out that we would not want and that we didn't think was the best quality. And I, mm-hmm. it's kind of, I think it was kind of a downfall for us because we were so picky. And it wasn't only that, it's just we found out that when you work with overseas, you also have a lot of, you have a tremendous, not to quote Trump, but tremendous amount of fees that they don't tell you mm-hmm. that is, and that, and you would have to go to a port. Or and pick it up, or then the sh- to ship that from some reason from the port to you is just like thousands of dollars that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And luckily with this with the printer we went with, everything's been up front. Um, oh, good. And we were able to, you know, here's the deposit. Here's what we're doing. Let's move forward. And even hope and they're and they're working with us because this is the busy season coming up. But they're like, mm-hmm. they're, they're really going to work to get us the card deck as soon as it possible. And did you know that when you had something shipped to the U.S. from China, that when they give you a um, port uh, estimate, they mean it's going to land in New York and it's going to sit there. Good luck. (laughs) Oh, good gravy. (laughs) Because it's got to go through customs and make sure that it's not like illegal product Uh, or other nasty things. Mm -hmm. You have to find an import agent or agency pay them and then they give you a separate shipping cost of shipping it <sighs> to you wow. then you got to make sure that they allow shipments to private residencies there's all Looks kinds of things like i'm like really well, maybe you should have told me this but <laughs> yeah you know they should now. Have. but yeah but now you know yeah. and and knowing is half the battle right yeah. so this printer is going to be our printer for the rest of our lives i mean they're <laughs> like you know they've taken care of everything it's like they, okay. oh yeah it's be dropped at your doorstep I don't know how you're going to get a thousand decks in your door, but it's going to drop at your doorstep. I don't either. <laughs> you guys are going to wake up one morning and are going to be walled in. You're going to open up the door and be like, oh, hey, look, they're all here because I can't get out of the house. We have to move them all in. So you guys yeah. will get it because we can't leave the house until we ship them out. Right. Um, Let's go. <laughs> Snowed in by deck. Yeah, that they're gonna. That actually, that going through this printer, that we we were able to upgrade a lot that we didn't think we were going to. So the, right. this deck is going to be a little bit more than what we what we actually thought we were going to deliver for the first deck. So it's gonna be. I mean, it, just looking at what they've sent us, and they, they've been very good about keeping us updated on here's the digital stuff, and once we get everything, because when they do gold leafing, it's, it's a separate plate. Oh, yeah. And that's what takes so long. Then that's why we had to go overseas, because we couldn't find anybody in the U.S. that actually does the gold plates like that. They can do one different for each card. If it had been the same throughout each card, we could have found someone and done it faster and yeah. um, lowered the card amount, but... Um, with this, once they get the plates made and then they get that out, and that's what takes the proof so long is they have to make different plates for each card and mm-hmm. for the or and for the box. And once they sip that, we look through it. We're we're gonna go card by card, look and make sure everything's right. We sign off on it, and then they start the printing process. But it, it is really gonna be a nice deck. Yeah. So when we do book, uh, you know, when the book is funded, yeah. <laughs> um, we. We're going to try and do local printers so that, because um, I'm a big uh, press check kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I want to be the press check. I want to see it. And if there's any issues, then we tweak the printing then. And since we're going to be approaching this from the old school, so it's not it's not going to be a, you know, a upper level Kinko's type print off. It's going to be a legitimate, you know, printed book. Um, we're going to be able to do a lot with different little add-ons and little treats and, mm-hmm. you know, Looking awesome. into uh, some sort of foil stamping on the front of it. We've actually been talking to a gentleman 
um, that is he does custom binding. Oh, so nice. Bible from the 1400s. They take it to him and say, can you do binding for me for this? And, oh, yeah, sure. Give me you know 800 bucks. I'll do a binding for you. And nice. it is literally old school. I mean, by hand, it's amazing. And he um, actually contacted us when he saw one of the postings. And the first thing he said was, can I have a, a text plate of the book? And I was like, what is a text plate? Um, <laughs> so well, that's, that's helpful. So, Okay, so he starts telling me all about the process and what he does. And basically a text plate is the book without the cover mm-hmm. because oh. he wanted to do his own cover. And he was just like, it sounds like it'd be a fun project. I'd like to do it. It'd be fun to have something like that. I was like, yes, it would be fun to have something like that. Um, so we're in talks with him now to be um, be able to offer that on the Kickstarter. And probably like a limited like Very five, limited. you know, yeah. because it's yeah. expensive to get it done. But oh, yeah. I know. So we'll we'll say there's going to be four available because I know I'm going to keep one. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how cool yeah. that is for any artist out there to have your book, you know, have a have a custom cover done, one of a kind, literally a one of a kind book. It'd be awesome. And we've been in talks with the um, Po Museum, and we're talking about giving them uh, one of the books uh, to oh, have because they, you know, obviously they'll have. We're talking about doing a signing and everything at the Po Museum when the book is is printed. It'll probably be. Um, you know, next year when it's printed, it'll probably be a part of one of their. They do this uh, fun thing. It's called Unhappy Hour. Nice, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's um, great. So every every month they do Unhappy Hour, mm-hmm. and we're in talk with them about doing a signing during their Unhappy Hour. Um, oh, nice. Some books, but I'm gonna also be um, probably donating a piece of artwork to them and a book plate for that signing. It'll be yeah, and then we're gonna plate. do like you know so. One of the little add-ons that we're able to do with a book is obviously book plates. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm thinking about doing some different designs for book plates. And one of the things for them or at signings, we might do like a custom book plate that is just exclusive for when I do signings with a book. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, cool. Where is the Poe Museum located? Is it in um, Georgia? No, no, it's Virginia. Virginia. Okay. That's, you know, brain. It's like 12 o'clock at night and I don't brain. So. It's okay. Yeah. Um, also about the you want to tell them about the um, documentary that may be happening. Yeah. So the so the reason why we got into contact with the Poe Museum um, was we're I was contacted on uh, Facebook by a gentleman through one of the um, Poe groups that I joined mm-hmm. and started asking me about just simple questions about why am I influenced by Poe and um, you know, just standard type questions and then to come to find out he's doing the documentary. Oh. Uh, and it's going to be in conjunction with the Poe Museum. So mm-hmm. the first thing I said was the Poe Museum. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he's going to also, I think he's going to try and do a crowdfunding thing with it, along with help from the museum. Mm-hmm. Um, but we started talking and, and the first thing I asked was, you know, we're talking about doing an interview and everything. And so one thing led to another. And I was like, well, is there anybody I can talk to the, talk to the museum? I'd love to be, you know, I'd mm-hmm. love to get some kind of advice from them, maybe do something with them and, so one thing led to another. So now we're talking with the curator of the museum and he is, you know, 110% on board with doing signings. He's talking about doing, you know, socks and t-shirts and everything else with it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, okay, amazing, cool. So yeah. why not? You know, yeah. some boxer shorts for your art. art. That's right. Yeah. Stained glass designs boxer and everything shirt. else. Yeah. So yeah, we've got a lot of exciting things coming from this, but it, it's been interesting to see the reassert. It's almost like Poe is starting to come back, and I think it's very appropriate for everything that's going on um, to have this 
I guess, um, I guess the allegory for the stories and what everything's going on to make people read and think. And, and that's one of the reasons why I do the book like this is a return to having something real and, mm-hmm. and done and get people reading and having something that is meaningful. Um, so having a collection of, that's why we thought of Poe is having a collection of Poe stories to have done and and not like you know you go to Barnes and Noble and you see some the, the paperbacks that have something that you can yeah. pass to your family members on and on as a as an art piece and that would be in the Poe Museum and well this is so like, I'm approaching it from an Art Nouveau standpoint of, of mm-hmm. course um but that that approach has not been really done with his work for like mm-hmm. eight plus years because. Right. It, when you got into that, you know, the past 40 decades have been very much Alfred Hitchcockish, you know, very mm-hmm. dark, you know, that. And so they focused a lot on, the, you know, the, the horror factor of his work. Mm-hmm. And you go before that early on when he was just starting to, you know, really, you know, like the, when the Raven hit and stuff like that, there was no Alfred Hitchcock. There was no, you know, type of horror type stuff. So they approached it from an art nouveau standpoint. Then they want to make it a beautiful piece of artwork. So even when you had a figure that was, you know, a decaying corpse laying there dead, it was still a beautiful illustration. It wasn't meant to be horrific. It wasn't meant to be kind of gore. So mm-hmm. the approach I wanted to take with the book. It was macabre and not horror. It was more yeah. of a well, back oh. then they had the weird tale. They didn't call it horror. It was just all weird tales. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And and very much gothic. Yeah. So it's 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 been interesting, but this has been you know for us it's been a well needed journey because it's it's made Matt kind of expand out and having to think differently about how we approach stories. Mm-hmm. And me looking at it is is. You know, taking this, how can we make this relevant to people that will be, in, how can we make it interesting to people today to get them to read and discuss it? And, of course, art is always the gateway because beauty all brings you into the story. Mm-hmm. So this has been uh, interesting for yeah, me. And as far as Ethereal Visions Publishing, if you're going to do your first book with a writer, <laughs> who else, you know, than Edgar Allan Poe, let's just take over Let's just tackle the Muhammad Ali of writing there and see if we can make something <laughs> worthwhile. You know, and I bet one. he would use the Oxford comma. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, so I'm on your side with that one. I okay, let me just say it. I, well, yeah. And then we get back to that whole, you know, the strippers, Edgar Allan Poe and, you know, whoever and, else. And Stalin. Yeah. And Stalin, yeah. <laughs> no Oxford comma. We've got strippers who happen to be. Edgar Allan Poe and Stalin, but with the Oxford comma, yeah, the recess of things. Anyway, (laughs) yes, the writers and editors on this 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 podcast believe in the Oxford comma. If not, word, yeah, line has been drawn. Yes, line has been drawn in the sand. I'm I'm reading through the edit, but he's laughing at me. So because I'm over here going, oh, why? No, I'm right with you, Hope. I need to have the Oxford comma. You, yeah. you know, it, I need it. I need it in my life. <laughs> I need it. It helps me go to bed at night. Yes, uh, indeed. Well, it helps make <laughs> clarifying statements, you know? Yes. Yeah, so, well, thank you guys for having us on. We always 
blast with you. And, and sorry we're a little loopy. It's been a long, interesting day of dealing with car mishaps and rain and everything. Well, I'm glad you were able to take the time and, yes. and let us into the, you know, the mysterious and the gothic and the romantic versus just the horror of Edgar Allan Poe and, and the beauty of your work, Matt. And, and then, of course, having the editing of your wonderful partner, Hope. So thank <laughs> you guys so much. Thank you. I mean, yeah. I, we love being on. So, so now that you've seen the sample pages, do you have any any critiques of it? Because you you guys are the only ones that's seen it so far. Ooh. You two. literally, you guys yeah. are the only ones that have seen the sample pages. You guys. heard it first, folks. Wow. <laughs> there, this is a small. So they sent us a small sample of some of the poems. So it's mostly currently just the poems with Matt's wonderful illustrations, and it's such a taste. I want more. And I'm definitely, yes. I mean, just for my curiosity and everything, I love the idea of marrying all the stories, all the poems, as well as some essays on his mm-hmm. philosophies, his um, life and whatnot into one tome. Because that's, I think, some of the things going back to the Barnes and Noble, you know, uh, collectible type book things. I think if I remember correctly, like Barnes and Noble, they just collect all the, you know, author stories and that's it. And that's mm-hmm. great and fine, but yeah. I think what you guys are doing is you're offering um, a, a new dimension into his life. Mm-hmm. You know, we all study Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, God, Annabelle Lee, by the shore, uh, whatever, you know, in school <laughs> and stuff, and, you know, because we're taught to. But when you start delving into the mysteries, the, the fact that mm-hmm. was he a seer? Was he something more than just this weird guy that wrote kind of macabre stories back then? It gives you a whole new appreciation and mm-hmm. to have it married with such beautiful art gives you that collectible. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. That was, and, and again, it, it brings it to life. It brings mm-hmm. the stories and the poetry more depth, I think. Because again, when you go in, as Jamie said, get that, you know, p- tome from Barnes & Noble, you have all the words. Woohoo! But what you're doing is like bringing something more, that next layer, that here's, here's this, here's the words, but here's an illustration that really encapsulates what the words mean versus just the words. It's like they're really great. It's like giving the thing a soul. You know? Yeah. Oh, that, 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 yeah. Uh, can I quote you guys on this? Sure. <laughs> I know. Go for it. Yes. Definitely. So definitely have that on the Kickstarter page. It, it really is. Weird. We we want to revitalize um, the beauty of words and uh, words. Words themselves are are art, and I think that when you couple that with what he does, it's it just makes it more beautiful. It's like mm-hmm. um, when when uh, it, it's this it's the. It's the jewelry on the pretty girl. Mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. it, it makes it more enticing. It gives it more sparkle, more depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it draws people in. So some people look at, they would rather read it. But then some people, if they see something, because I'm the person that looks, I judge a book by its cover. I'm sorry if you get a crappy cover, I'm probably not going to pick it up. And I know that's bad. But a lot of people, when they see the artwork, even if they see it standing alone, might be interested in what what spurred this. And once mm-hmm. they say, even if they've never studied Poe, it might be it could be the gateway. Mm-hmm. And exactly. I, I tell them, and you know, with with doing the cover, we're still looking thinking at the cover. And I told them, I said, I do think it should be almost like a not really a cemetery gate, but a gate because that's what the this gateway. is. Yeah, the mm-hmm. the cover is a gateway into this world of this mad little man named Edgar Allan Poe who saw 
things in this world and in the next mm-hmm. and took tragedy and made tragedy so beautiful but a dark beauty i think you've just done a great quote for yourselves right, right there that yep oh god it's late. Why, i won't remember why that. aren't you writing that down but it's okay that you won't remember that. You can listen to it later. <laughs> right? It's true. Well, the one the one thing that I did notice with uh, with Edgar Allan Poe and his re- in researching it, um, well, one thing I found fascinating was that when he was in uh, academics, when he was in school, uh, his classmates weren't sure if he was going to be a famous writer or a famous artist Ooh, because he was very visual. Like he mm-hmm. literally would draw all over the room. You know, ceiling, walls, everything, and then they would come in, and he would read to them his stories with this artwork around them. Mm-hmm. So they didn't know if he was going to be, you know. So he's he ended up obviously being an, a writer, but he was an artist that chose a pen instead of a a brush. I mean, he mm-hmm. was. It's almost like he's he painted still, with words. He's still painting. Yeah. He's painting with words, but instead of a visual, he's explaining to you what the painting is bef- without seeing the painting. It's it. Really, fast. and when I read that about him, you know, being an artist, it was like, okay, it makes perfect sense because mm-hmm. his work is so um, immediately puts in a visual when you mm-hmm. read it. Just it, that's part of the charm. That's why he's still around. Is that it, it was so visual? Um, it's just so thick with this imagery, so that when Hope would read these stories to me, or I was reading them, or I was listening to the. Vincent Price, I immediately would have these images pop my head. That, to me, is a sign of a really great piece of work. Mm-hmm. And we're interested in having you two read. You're going to read, right? Yeah. You're going you're to... Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm you already looking through trying to figure or... out what... <laughs> <laughs> what I will give it my for... best. I'll give it my best. I have, I've never done this before. I will see what comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm already trying to figure out what portion, because I'm not going to read the first few lines. That's silly. <laughs> that's too easy i want to find something easy. yeah exactly it's like i could do that but no let me see you know but no i'm i'm looking forward to it and again they're not gonna pick us people who are listening to this just because they like us that's no. not right because <laughs> to be honest some of this i'm like we could both read this but there's this part of me going no it needs to be a guy at times when i'm reading some of the lines not all of them but yeah. some of them and it's just like hmm but anywho, well, yeah. thank you again. Like I said, yes. I don't want to keep you too much later because it is almost midnight your time. Yeah. Um, not quite so much for us. but um, And we've got your website and the excite- we're excited because this will come out in time for people to spend the Labor Day weekend um, doing their best Poe readings and sending them off to you guys to get into this contest. Indeed. Yep. And and the so the Kickstarter launches on the twelfth. I probably yeah. already said that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Kickstarter easy. launches on the twelfth, and it's going to run until October the seventh, which is the anniversary of his death. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got all kinds of fun things planned for the book. There's so much that we're going to do with it, and um, including like the book place we talked about. And you know, we're gonna I'm going to do a Edgar Allan Poe portrait, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. Um, There's tons to look forward to. Yeah, yes. saying that that website that I gave the eapobook.com is going to be the URL to go to through the entire campaign. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. This is always fun to talk to you, even when we're loopy. <laughs> Loopy's the best. Loopy and got four cats that are starting to get the midnight wiggies on. So. 
All righty. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, Jamie, for being the awesestest co-hostess ever. The hostess of the hostess. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to Tarot Visions, a podcast for the modern oracle. To keep the conversation going, please find us on Facebook at Tarot Visions US or follow us on Twitter at Tarot underscore Visions.